We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Good evening. I hope you'll excuse me if I appear a trifle excited. We're only interested in one thing. Can you tell a story, Bob? Can you make us laugh? Can you make us cry? Can you make us want to break out? Enjoy your song. We move fast. Can you take it? No matter what you do now, you're still part of everything that's happening. Used to be in silent pictures. Used to be big. I am big. It's the pictures that got small. We need more heart in motion pictures. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You just put your lips together and blow. Listen to me, Hatcher. You're gonna tell him. I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Are you listening? The Boulevard of Broken Dreams. We're making another movie. This is the one I'll be remembered for. Welcome to the Sword Cinema Podcast. This week we're going to be taking a look at 1992's Hard Boiled, written by Barry Wong and directed by John Woo. Here's a clip. I've spent God knows how many hours working on this bloody case. And you tell me to lay off, you shut up! And just get on with it, right? Maybe you'd like to do an encore. And join the performance! This is my office. Show me some respect. This may be a goddamn office, Tequila. The whole station's mine, though, so you listen! This is a fucking order! You know you're really just full of shit. There's the job. Okay? That was a clip from John Woo's Hard Boiled, big time action movie that sort of ushered in. I don't know if it ushered in the Michael Bay era or if it was a response to the Michael Bay era. I guess I don't know. Michael Bay sort of came after that. We can get into that a little bit as we go into the podcast. But joining me to talk about this movie and the chooser of this movie is Ricky D. What's up, Patrick? I also think that the movie was written by John Woo and Gordon Chan and Barry Wong. Uh, there's no doubt that he probably had a hand in it for sure. I'm not well, sure. Well, Barry, Barry Wong died, so he clearly had a hand in it. He died before <laughs> yeah. finishing the, the script. Well, that would make sense then as to why they gave him full credit then, sort of a tribute. So wait, did you not know this? I did not know this, no. Okay, so before we introduce Simon, the screenplay writer died. So the first sequence in the film that takes place in the tea house, they had no script. So they actually filmed that sequence without a script. And before we introduce Simon, can I tell you what the original screenplay was about? Oh, wait, I think I might know this, but go, yeah, go for it. So the original screenplay focused on a villain who poisoned the formula bottles for babies and would kill babies. And Tony Lung was supposed to play the baby killing psycho. And they they were trying to, John Woo at the time was trying to break into American movies into Hollywood, and they deter, they decided that killing babies was too disgusting for <laughs> for him to make that leap. All right, we got to introduce him at this point, Rick. Uh, <laughs> Simon Howell is also with us, who's been remaining very patient. Oh, hi. 
and I'm feeling good. And I love this movie, so it's a great day. Would you say this movie is a shot in the arm? Uh, I would say if Tony Leung was cast as a uh, as a genocider of babies, I would still love him. Oh, he's you know he's my second favorite actor of all time. Who's number one? Paul Newman. Hell yeah, good answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, so hard boiled. Um. John Woo had made a few action movies, in, uh, Hong Kong action movies at the time. Um, what The Killer, I believe, if I remember right. And then, uh, oh God, I'm going to look at this filmography really quick. Okay, here. so I know a lot about John Woo. So John Woo actually started when he was a really young filmmaker. So at the time in, in Hong Kong and China, most directors were like age 40 and up. He came into the scene, first into the scene at a very young age, early 20s type thing. So in the early 80s, he basically took off because he directed A Better Tomorrow, which was a huge hit. If you haven't seen it, it's a really good movie. Also stars Chow Young-Fat. What's really impressive about that film is the amount of time it spans, and yet the movie's only 95 minutes. It's got so many characters. It's such a thick plot. And he somehow manages to tell the story about all these characters in 95 minutes as compared to Hard Boiled, which is a little too long, but we'll get to that. So anyways, he made uh, uh, Better Tomorrow 1, and it was, of course, 2, the sequel, Bullet in the Head, which is his most political and controversial film, The Killer, which I think is his best film by far, and then Hard Boiled. And at this point in time, he had a a bad reputation in China. Uh, He was very controversial and trying to be political, and he had a falling out with his producer, Tsui Hark, And so that is why he left and went to Hollywood, because China sort of turned their back, or at least Hong Kong, on John Woo. And so Hard Boiled is what a lot of people consider to be his masterpiece. I think in terms of like action filmmaking, it's one of the greatest action films ever made just for the three huge set pieces. This film has three action scenes, the beginning, the middle, and the end. And the last action scene actually takes place at about the hour and 10 minute mark of the film. So like the last like 50 minutes of the movie is the last action sequence, which all takes place in a hospital. I would say, you know, there are movies that are called action movies, but they're more like dramas punctuated with occasional conversations. Whereas Hard Boiled is more like an action sequence that is punctuated by occasional talking like it's other like there's a few scenes of people talking and then most of the but most of the meat of the movie involves someone getting shot yeah i i mean the actual screenplay writer did die before he completed the script and they completely decided to change the whole plot of the film so they were basically writing the movie as they were shooting the movie but i think john woo kind of knew that he was done with making movies in hong kong and when he set out to make hard boiled he really just tried to do everything and anything he could. He tried to have as many explosions, as many gun shootout scenes, as much action as possible, because he sort of had the the go-ahead to kind of do whatever he wanted to do. And I think it's maybe the last time he had sort of like carte blanche, like mm-hmm. uh, full director's control, full creative control. And maybe he went a little too far in the eyes of some people. I think that is one of the reasons why this movie is so fascinating. Like he's never topped hard boiled in terms of action. I mean, he's, he's made action movies in the future and he's, there's some great action scenes in movies like face off and hard target and, and uh, you know, whatever, but none, none of those films, none of those scenes can top any one of the three action scenes in this movie. 
this film was actually not a huge success in Hong Kong when it came out. In fact, people in China just really did not like it because because right before Hard Boiled came out, there was a lot of, quote unquote, more realistic, gritty, hard boiled detective stories and crime picks and movies revolving around gangsters and corrupt cops. And they were far more realistic. And so a lot of people in China actually disliked Hard Boiled because it was so unrealistic. It was sort of like a video game movie. And I don't know who who coined the term video game movie. And I kind of don't like that term because I think video games are amazing and a work of art. But I understand why people sometimes refer to some action movies as video game-like. But this movie really is like a video game uh, to the point where there's three big action scenes and there's three mini bosses and the final boss, which is Mad Dog. I could not stop thinking about Metal Gear Solid. Well, it's, <laughs> it's such a video movie. game movie that the actual sequel to the movie is a video game. It's a video game, yeah. But especially like the Mad Dog character and all these scenes of like shifting loyalties between like ambiguously uh, like sort of morally ambiguous bad guys uh, while like stalking around uh, industrial and in this case, uh, like hospital, like sort of antiseptic environments that are like a little bit dingy. It all felt very metal gear to me. Um, but I'm, I'm looking down at my notes and um, the first thing that I have down is, I mean, I was admittedly, I was a little bit stoned when I wrote these, but the first one is in big letters, the joy of motion. To me, like that's the the reason to watch this movie is definitely not for the plot, which is honestly pretty much completely incomprehensible. <laughs> um, in terms of like, or and I guess it's 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 comprehensible in a sense. You know, you can tell who we're meant to care about and like what the basic arc of the film is going to be at some point. But um, you know, I I guess anyone who is looking for a realistic take. Um, I mean, I, I saw that in, in on the Wikipedia page, there was something about how he'd made a bunch of movies about gangsters that were arguably or potentially could be see, could be construed as uh, glamorizing gangsters. So he, the, the, the claim in the, on the page is that he wanted to make a movie glamorizing cops, which to me is the funniest thing I've ever heard, <laughs> because within the first 10 minutes of this movie, uh, Tony Lung, a cop, has murdered 15 people. <laughs> Well, so does Chow Young Fat. He just shoots everyone in his way. Yes, yeah, but like the idea that like that we're that this is meant to be some sort of advertisement for the Hong Kong Police Department is extremely funny to me. I, I don't think John Woo is a good storyteller, but he's he's amazing when it comes to directing action sequences. And in the late eighties, early nineties, like I became a huge fan of movies from Hong Kong because I used my ex was. Chinese or half Chinese and we used to go to Chinatown all the time and get those bootleg VHS and DVD copies right and so at the time Hong Kong had delivered its sort of like own brand of stylish action thrillers like Hard Boiled, A Better Tomorrow movies from Johnny Toe and Ringo Lam you know movies that inspired and influenced Quentin Tarantino to make movies like Reservoir Dogs and a lot of these films centered on a classic anti-hero a criminal gang member and or one corrupt cop or a cop undercover and it all revolved around the underground criminal like not yakuza what would you call it in hong kong just the triad right and of course they all had excessive violence and a lot of heavy gun action and they these films were actually at one point in time uh referred to as heroic bloodshed like that was the actual genre heroic bloodshed nobody says that anymore 
Uh, nowadays, we call it gun fu. And so movies like John Wick, for example, are inspired by hard boiled. Absolutely. And of course, The Matrix is another major one you need to drop in there. To some extent, yeah. When it comes to the action scenes, yeah. Yeah. In terms of like the, you know, the just destroying the building around you and uh, people people sitting perfectly still while a camera ramps around them or whatever. Um, yeah. Sure. All right. I should get this out of the way before. <clears throat> I was talking to Simon a little bit before we did this. So I'm I'm not a fan of this movie or John Woo's stuff. Like, uh, But there is, I, I did figure out while I was rewatching this, there's, there's one way for me to like this movie. So uh, uh, <laughs> I'm going to let you guys mostly talk about the positives because I don't think that John Woo is a very good action director. But if I look at this like a Michael Bay movie, I, I can find, or, or, a, or a sci-fi channel Saturday afternoon monster movie, that to me is where I can find entertainment in John Woo movies and a movie like Hard Boiled. Like I, I had had enough of the action. It wasn't like it was pure torture. I was just bored at that point because this movie is really long. And I think this like, a, John Woo is like a 90 minute movie kind of guy. Which is what a, a sci-fi channel monster, you know, B-movie monster movie is. Or what a Michael Bay movie should be, but never are. It's excess. It's just tons of excess. And I'm not a big guy. I'm not a big excess guy unless it's really clever in some way. But I don't find John Woo to be clever. So instead, I have to look at it like John Woo is a B-movie action director to me. Like, not a, not a talented director in, in any sense other than he comes up with, he tries to make things look cool just like Michael Bay does to me. This is so that's the only way that I can derive entertainment out of this is to kind of laugh at it, not with it or admire it. Um, and I do find plenty to laugh at at John Woo movies for me, <laughs> but I don't like to mock movies generally. So I, I, I do tend to avoid watching his stuff. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. It, I, this is definitely like, I am not, I told Simon I'll probably never watch this movie again unless I have to, or in any John Woo movie, to tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah, so let me just respond to that really quick. Like, I agree that the movie is excessive, and it's aggressive, and the action can be overwhelming, especially if you're not into action films. And Hard Boiled is actually a movie I haven't watched in over two decades. Whereas I can watch Die Hard every year, of which I do around Christmas time. I can watch John Wick over and over again. But that's because movies like John Wick, Die Hard, you know, like the great action movies, they have great characters, they have a good screenplay, a good plot, a good story, a good be beginning, middle, and end. And Hard Boiled, to me, it's really just those three action scenes. But I do think Tony Lung is amazing in the movie given what he's given to do given the fact that the script makes no sense his character makes no sense and yet he delivers an incredible performance because he's that good of an actor that even in a movie where he's completely lost because he has no idea what's going on with the script because no one does because they're making it up as they're filming the movie he still manages to pull off a great performance in each individual scene even if the overall picture doesn't add up right but i do wholeheartedly disagree with you john woo is an incredible director when it comes to action maybe not telling a story maybe not but i'm sorry the action in this movie is so well directed 
Michael Bay cannot even touch him when it comes to directing a- a- action. Michael Bay's action scenes make no sense. You get lost in the action. You have no idea where anyone is. It's just a bunch of quick camera shots and quick cuts. To me, you're describing hard-boiled. <laughs> like, not Michael Bay. Like, that is that is my problem with hard-boiled. I, I, was, I made a concerted effort to watch the action scenes and see at least at least try to admire the staging and to me john woo is a terror like i i I don't want to get too negative i don't want to get too into this but i i did get lost in the action scenes i didn't know where anybody was i started laughing at the action scenes because to me they were incomprehensible they were a mess of just cool shots like he knows how to to set up a cool shot and make a shot look cool but he cannot to me construct a scene any better than he can construct a story because every scene is telling a story just whether it's action or drama or anything he he's he's no good at 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 a thread he he to me i mean you're completely wrong though i mean just look at the 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 unbroken three-minute tracking shot that's a groundbreaking sequence of which inspired filmmakers later on every everything from children of men to true detective i mean that long take action sequence is breathtaking it's it's amazing it's a triumph of choreography it's it's having these two actors come together in this unbreakable uh, tracking shot that moves throughout the, the entire hospital but it actually has a story to tell and it brings these two characters together and it's it's like i don't know i just find that that scene so beautiful um i mean that, that was gonna be my my pick for the best scene so i don't know if i should jump ahead right now or wait till after the break well, I, mean, I, I wanted to, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to do any more debating. I think I've said enough about what I think of this movie, but there are certain things that like, okay, so um, Chow Yun-Fat, I, I for one thing thought he turns in, in a movie where things are supposed to be cool, it's very evident that things are supposed to be cool. I thought that he has the great performance in this movie that, <laughs> because he is the epitome of cool. And that's so obviously what the movie wants to be. You know, it's so funny you should say that, Patrick, because to me, Tony Lung is the embodiment of cool. And as much as I love Chow Yun-Fat, he kind of seems to me like just kind of a jerk in this movie. <laughs> oh, he is. But but sometimes cool guys are the jerks. That's to me, true. He's like, I mean, there's he's like yeah, a greaser no from a 1960s movie, right? But he's James I, Dean. The main thing I kept thinking throughout this movie is like Chow Yun-Fat is a, a tremendous action star. But Tony Lung is like an all-around movie star. He is. He's um, just so good. If if you look at his filmography and just the sheer breadth of the stuff that he's been in and been great in, been memorable in, and been distinct from the other performances in, I mean, ugh. Simon, you, you got to watch Bullet in the Head. His performance in that movie is unreal. He, he's just so good. I, I, I do like Chow Young-Fat in this movie. Um, I love his body language. I love how he is so over the top and cool and he's trying to be like the actors who starred in his favorite american films like clint eastwood like steve mcqueen like paul newman um you know clearly this movie took a lot of inspiration from sam peckinpah films but Mm -hmm. tony lung to me is the movie's secret weapon Uh, i think his character is far more complex i think he does a better job uh, showing emotion without dialogue. Um, I think he's got the tougher role because his his uh, his character really doesn't make much sense. To be totally no, honest, like like Chow Young Fat is he's like he's like he's a cop, right? He's not like an undercover cop. He's a cop, but he's not very um, 
He's not very good at his job. He's irresponsible. No one, he, he, no one clear, is. No movie, one in this I mean, movie is good at their least, job. But at least, like, no. Tony Lung is put in a situation where he's supposed to be undercover, and so he has to do things that he that he doesn't necessarily want to do, like kill people. Chow Young Fat is just killing people because he's irresponsible. Yeah. Well, also, like, he the, the Chow Young Fat character, Chow Young Fat's character doesn't make much sense either because, like, throughout the movie, it's kind of implied or outright stated that he has a death wish. Um, but he still like keeps being kind of like jokey and smirky, uh, and also seems like I I I didn't really understand the relationship between him and the character I'm just going to call the woman, uh, the only woman in this film. Well, um, it's his ex girlfriend. Uh, yeah, he calls her his girlfriend though at one point, uh, which is why I didn't understand their relationship because he was trying to get back together with her. Yeah, I, I he seemed to think they still were together. I was confused. Anyway, he, he thought it was like a temporary breakup. They were just going through one of their spats. She was saying yeah. it was over. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever. You said this before," kind of thing. It's it's also implied that she has more chemistry with Tony Lung. But anyway, because <laughs> he's the one coming up with the flowers. He's the one suggesting all the good ideas. I love the way he directs his action because even John Wu says every single one of his action sequences is like a ballet. It's like a dance sequence. And he doesn't really care about logic. Like he's openly admitted that he doesn't care about logic. He cares about the way he crafts his characters in his scenes. And he has his own sort of like logic within the movie. Mm -hmm. And it is like a, a, a ballet. And he was heavily inspired by guys like Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly and classical Hollywood musicals when filming the action sequences. And I don't think a lot of people give enough credit to the actual composer of the, the movie because I do think it has an amazing soundtrack and amazing score. I will push back and say that this movie is too long. And it's one of those movies, like, that's why I personally prefer The Killer. Like, I think The Killer is a movie that I can recommend to just about anyone and be confident that they won't outright hate it or be mad at me or angry for recommending the movie hard-boiled you know like patrick doesn't like it like i i'm not surprised like there's a few people who i know who do not like hard-boiled i i like the thing is i like ridiculous so i am surprised it but but it's just a you know what can you do I, this is i i hadn't seen this probably since i was in high school and didn't like it back then i i wasn't sure what to expect re-watching it um, I think my reaction was more negative now than it was even back when I was a 16 year old. Well, I, I will I say, I don't know why. I don't know why, but I don't it, because this is the kind of movie where I I should have been able to have more fun with it. I guess than than I did. I I, I will say like the, it is definitely not a film that is quite for everyone, and I, I I will even say that the last time that I tried to watch this movie, um, it was at a screening at the Lightbox. It was a late screening, uh, and especially in a theater. The movie is such sensory overload, and I was and I was honestly already kind of tired that I I, I took a nap during Hard Boiled uh, because I'm it was just that sort of day. But watching it at home was a delight because it, you know I could I could regulate how much of sensory overload it was. See, sensory overload's not my problem. I I want once watched Speed Racer three times on a flight from Europe just because I was mesmerized by it. Oh, like Speed Racer <laughs> rules that movie. Yeah, that movie Fox. is amazing. By the way, I, as soon as it was, it was over, I was like, I'm watching that again. But so it's not a sensory overload thing. I'm not a guy that likes quiet movies that only or anything like that. I can get on board with with cheesy action and and you know a lot of explosions and fast pace and cool shots. And I do think there are lots of cool shots in this movie. Um, yeah, for, for whatever reason, John Woo just doesn't click with me at all. Any of his movies, I should say. Like, there's there's not one 
I, maybe face off because it's so completely ridiculous and comedic. Like it's, it knows it's ridiculous more so than hard boiled does, I suppose. Um, that's the only movie that maybe I can rewatch of John Woo's. Otherwise, like I've just had this visceral bad reaction to John Woo movies because I, whatever it is about his direction, I don't like it. Well, wait, can we? I I need to push back a little bit on the idea that the that the movie that features Chow Yun Fat, you know, telling a baby to shut up like shortly before like jumping out a window doesn't know that it's ridiculous. Not as much as Face Off does. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess maybe that's what I need from John Woo is I need not just acknowledgement, but like John Woo down on his knees saying, this thing is so stupid. Can you please forgive me for how stupid this is? That's kind of what Face Off is. You know what Face Off doesn't have, though? Jazz clarinet. <laughs> exactly. I, I think I think the music really makes this movie so special and unique. It, it opens up with my favorite shot ever for any action film. And it's a very simple shot of tequila. And he has a shot of tequila. It's, it's holding one of those bar glasses right and then you get the the shot of him chow young fat playing the clarinet and clearly he loves jazz music and i've always compared this movie to like a great jazz album where he's more interested in the flow and the pace and how mm. every every scene bleeds and flows into the next scene because the movie feels like it's it, it feels like a, a, a you know like again going back to the whole how the action unfolds like a beautiful dance like it feels like the movie is structured like a great jazz record like oh my god yeah that's why i don't like this movie because i hate jazz you hate jazz there yes. we go really? i do it hate all jazz. Sense. wow i, I hate sense jazz now. like jazz to me is like nails on chalkboard you, maybe that guys <laughs> do you hear that sorry do you guys hear that do we hear what, what? do you hear that do you hear the listeners booing you right now? <laughs> <laughs> How do you hate jazz? I'll, I'll forgive you for sucks. not liking hard boil, but you hate jazz? <laughs> <laughs> I know, and it's like the only American uh, musical form, too, and it's, and it's the one that I hate. In the opening tea house scene, there's one sequence in which Tequila's partner stands in front of a doorway, and there's bullets flying towards him, and he kicks him out of the way. Like mm. he kicks him out of out of the way just to save his life, and then he jumps in front of the door and just starts shooting everybody. Like, there's no <laughs> way this movie is, has was ever taking itself seriously from the opening frame. Um, the when you, since you were talking about the dynamic between uh, the two guys, I just wanted to mention this is one of the few movies like this where like the bond between these two men doesn't feel that homoerotic. It feels a little homoerotic at times. Uh, especially I don't think it feels at all homoerotic. Well, there's two. There's only two moments. There's there's one where I mean, literally, there's a scene where uh, um, Tony. I think it's Tony Lung like lunges into a boat and lands on on Chow Yun Fat in bed, and it's 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 a it's an intimate moment. Uh, and and also, of course, Tony Lung's incredible acting moment uh, near the end of the film of just like giving uh, giving Chow Yun Fat that look across the flames. That's a very smoldering moment, but generally it is very platonic uh, and it does feel like they're trying to establish some kind of a more spiritual, con there's some sort of twin, uh, like a twin connection between them as opposed to some sort of uh, other subtext. Also, I just want to, I just want to also mention uh, for anyone who's concerned about copaganda or anything like that, there's only two types of cops in this movie. Well, three, uh, dirty cops, stupid cops and stupid, dirty cops. <laughs> <laughs> well there's cool cops i would say chow Yun fat's a cool cop yeah but he's not very smart no he's not very smart <laughs> 
but he's cool. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the tea house sequence. I, I, I really love the way this movie opens up because it sets the standard of what is to come. Like it sets the expectations. Like usually that kind of sequence is reserved for the climax of an action movie. Cause there's so much going on. There's so much action. There's so many bullets flying. There's so many dead bodies, but in most movies, this amount of action would be the climax. Instead, John Woo opens the movie with this hyper stylish nonstop action sequence, which would make no offense, Michael Bay blush. And I was reading about the making of the movie. John Woo prefers to film his movies in order. And the reason being is because if he sets out to make this crazy over-the-top action sequence and it's the first scene in the film, he knows he needs to top it for the next scene and he needs to top that scene with the final scene. So he wanted to shoot everything in order, which is why he decided to shoot the, the tea house sequence, even though, like right away, even though the script wasn't finished because he wanted to open up big but he needed to know how much they can actually do. So then when, it, when they get to the middle, uh, the second action sequence, and then the third and final action sequence, he knows how much he needs to do to top that opening scene, right? And that sequence, the reason why he was able to go so over the top for the opening scene was because basically they were going to tear down that actual tea house, like the actual, like, location where they were filming they were going to tear down that building like demolish it so he was able to do whatever the hell he wanted to do like he can literally destroy the entire location while they were filming because they were going to destroy it anyways so you know legend has it that they just went all crazy and the stuntmen were so happy because they were basically able to write the actual scene as they were filming it so it was kind of like the stuntmen played a major part in helping john woo write this action sequence but yeah, like even Chow Young Fat had a lot of say in how he wanted John Wu to direct the action. For example, when he slides down a banister, shooting everyone with one gun in each of his hands, that becomes his signature move and it becomes so iconic. And of course, he has his matchstick clenched between his teeth. And then, of course, there's a scene in which tequila is covered in white flour as he dives through the restaurant, shooting everyone in his way. And the whole reason why he wanted to be covered in white flour was because the way the scene ends, he shoots the last gang member in the head and the blood is supposed to splatter on him. By, by having him covered in white flour, there's that beautiful contrast be between the mm. red blood splattering on his ghastly face. Like the guy looks like a ghost. Also, if you go fa if you fast forward to the last sequence, I love the scene in which they hide inside the um, the morgue. I guess you would call it the morgue. Like you know, like yeah. the um, what do you call it? like the the closet where they put dead bodies? Yeah, yeah. the the body closets. Right. <laughs> I don't like, know. The, I don't know what the term is. I don't the morgue is right, it, right, but I don't know the the corpse hutches. I don't know what they call. <laughs> but it's like there's two scenes in this movie where this dude pretty much like comes back from the dead or looks like a ghost. And I just like I don't know. I just love that. Can I just mention the scene when he's covered in flour and then he blows it? Like again, this is a this is a movie that's meant to glamorize the police, and within the first within the opening scene, by the end of it, our our lead hero has uh, executed a man point blank. Just, just for fun, basically. I think the time period that this came out in 1990s that might help explain some of it too, because uh, you could still have a Dirty Harry style policeman, which this guy yes. completely is, and that would be glorifying the police. <laughs> Nowadays, you would not look at that in context the same way, 
But back in 1992 or, you know, 91, you may yeah. have. Nowadays, like, you're only getting that out of, like, a Ben Shapiro production. You're, you're not going to get that out of a mainstream film. <laughs> you, you know, the thing about John Woo is that he's such a big name. He's a household name for, like, movie buffs that this would never happen. But it, this is, I think, what they should have done with John Woo or what he should have done in terms of, like, pursuing a career. I mean, I'm not saying the guy shouldn't make movies, but I think he would be a better second unit director where he, where he comes onto the set and directs the action. Like, imagine, you know, and a lot of Hollywood studios do this, right? They always have their second unit, right? Because they don't have enough time for the actual director to be everywhere. And they, you know, like if you need to wrap up the movie in like 40, 50 days, you're going to bring in your second unit director and your crew to film whatever action sequence while the actual director of the film is filming something that's more performance based, like, you know, dialogue or whatever. Right. Um, but I, 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 I think like overall, that's why I understand why people don't like his movies. And it's, it's, it is funny though, that a lot of people seem to trash his American films. They don't think it's as good as his films from Hong Kong. And I totally disagree. He made a lot of movies in Hong Kong and I watched a shit ton of them. And a lot of them, most of them are not very good. Like when people think of his Hong Kong films, they think of a better tomorrow, the first one bullet in the head, the killer and hard boiled. That's it. And then he went on to direct movies like Hard Target, which, by the way, I think is a really fun Jean-Claude Van Damme film. Broken Arrow, you know, again, kind of like a fun John Travolta vehicle with some good action. But again, not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. But there's some good action scenes in there. Face Off, like you said, Patrick, that movie is just goofy as hell. Clearly not taking itself seriously. And I mean, come on, like the movie is about John Travolta and Nicolas Cage swap faces. And yet nobody notices, even though they're like, you know, they don't have the same body structure you know, <laughs> Nicolas Cage is like three feet taller than John Travolta. Has a different yeah. hairdo. Nobody notices. <laughs> but but, but it allows thing, two actors to act like the other actor, which is funny. Which is funny, but that's the thing about John Woo. Like he's he's not a good storyteller. He's not. He so like if you say a director is someone who's great at telling stories and directing his actors, I'm not sure if John Woo would be considered a great director. And I don't even know if he's great at directing actors. I think he's just blessed to work with talented actors like Chow mm. Young Fat, uh, you know, Nicolas Cage and Tony Lung, for example. Um, we're going to have to go to break soon, but I did want to mention uh, when you were talking about directing of actors, uh, you're, I think you're totally right that he's mostly just lucky to work with, with, you know, really talented people. One of my favorite acting moments in the movie is just when Tony Lung is, it's one of the few scenes of dialogue. He's talking to his like handler and they're talking about uh, his future life in Guam or whatever. And Tony Lung is so relaxed and just so at ease in that scene that you feel he's barely acting, which he probably is. He's probably knows in that he's, he knows well enough in that scene that he can just kind of like hang out a little bit and it'll work just fine. And it does. Uh, and that's, I, I'm sure there was very little direction involved. Yeah. You know, my least favorite of the three big action scenes is the warehouse raid. And it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. It kind of feels like two big action scenes. Uh, Stuck together. Yeah, yeah, not really one, but they consider it one, right? But you have the black clad motorcyclists who swarm the area. They shoot everyone in sight. Once again, like everybody dies in this movie. It's insane. Like the body counts like 307, right? It's, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah. And, and then you have... So you have this army of triad, right? All these like gang members and you have Alan who's undercover and you have Tequila who just is by himself scoping out the area, watching Alan kill everybody, including his former boss, his former boss. And then he just 
swoops down like he's fucking dark man or something <laughs> and just takes on the whole entire like triad like it's insane and there, there is a scene and i was asking simon about this before we started recording where there's a dude riding a, 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 a bike like a motorbike right and he rides the bike into the back of a van directly towards an extra i yeah. swear to god they hit the extra. They hit the extra. Did that dude survive? Because then they have a cut, and it clearly they cut to the dummy. Yeah, yeah, the bike hitting a dummy. But there's no way that dude didn't get hit. I remember the scene you're talking about. There's got to be a way that he was able to get out of the way, or there was some camera trickery with the angle. I remember the bike coming up, you know, ready to jump. There had to be some sort of little bit of trickery where that person was able to get out of the way, or I don't think they would have cut. I feel like if he had actually been hit, they probably would have used it, unless it was a complete mistake and he just got clipped in the leg as he was diving out of the way or something like that. But even yeah. then, they might have used it, just like they did with Mad Max when that guy takes his spill and mm. hits. I mean, hit I, the foot. I I suspect uh, that Rick, <laughs> that Patrick is right, and there's some kind of like he's. He, the, the bike's not really headed straight for him. It's some kind of like uh, maybe, thing. but uh, they didn't exactly have unions. That's true. No, no, there's a lot of dangerous stuff there. Oh my god, yeah, that wasn't. That's a, another thing. I just the last thing I'll mention before we go to break is like throughout this film, you can't not think this all looks very dangerous. <laughs> uh, but but the stuntmen in Hong Kong, they don't have unions, and they're actually paid like a yearly salary, so it's not paid per movie. At least at the time of making this movie. I don't know if things mm. have changed since. And so that's why when you watch a lot of these older films from, from different countries back in like the 90s, like these action films, they would have these incredible action scenes where stuntmen were doing like the craziest things because they can get away with it. Whereas in the US, you have you know laws and rules and unions and you can't exactly do a lot of things because you can't, right? Yeah. Uh, I have to, I have to have to give a quick special mention to Philip Kwok who plays Mad Dog, who mm. is one of the most iconic villains of any, uh, when it comes to like Hong Kong cinema. Uh, I love John Woo's decision to include him in the movie because, okay, so if you don't know, he's been in a bunch of previous movies as a bad guy. He was in like a James Bond movie, Tomorrow Never Dies. He was in uh, Ricky O, The Story of Ricky. He, he, you know, he's acted in a bunch of movies, but in this film, he was actually hired as an action coordinator. Hmm. But because John Woo knew of his past as an actor, and because he's just he just has this great presence, he he decided to write in this character called Mad Dog, who has an eye patch, and decided to make him the villain. Well, not the he's like one of the villains, right? He's, he's like the lead the, henchman. He's still mm -hmm. the henchman. He's the lead henchman of, of Wong for sure, but he's he's the most memorable and iconic of all the bad guys in the yeah. film. So well, I just he's, I he's just like twice the size of every other actor in the film. He's the only really menacing character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Wong is Wong is sort of menacing in like a smarmy kind of way, but not yeah, you know. not not in a real way, not in a, not in a like he's a monster coming to get you way. He's he's yeah. just a rich guy with who can kill you and is yeah. really mean. Uh, all right. <laughs> With that, we should probably take our break. Uh, when we come back, we'll have our five questions. But between then, here's another clip from Hard Boiled. Who is he? We both know him. How come he didn't shoot me? I told you already to lay off this case, Yoon. Tell me who he is! I tried. Triad. 
I wish he were. Somehow I don't think he is a triad. If I see him, he's a dead duck. Just thought I'd tell you. Thank you. Sergeant Yu, get back here! I don't have to tell you the reasons for things. You'd better remember that. It'd be a smart move nonetheless. If I'd had slugs the other night, I'd have killed a cop. <laughs> Aren't we so darn self-righteous? What I say is this. I lost a good friend back there when Benny checked out on the tea shop. I don't give a shit what happens to me, right? But I'll get that human pollution and burn him. And woe betide anybody who tries to stop me. Sergeant! If you step out of line again, you'll be without employment. It'll be one more problem, hmm? Bastard! All right, that was a clip from Hard Boiled. We are at the point of the podcast where we ask our five questions. Rick, you picked this movie. What's your favorite scene from Hard Boiled? You already sort of went into that, but... It's, I think, the best scene and my favorite scene and the most influential scene of the movie it's the famous unbroken three-minute tracking shot, a groundbreaking sequence. Mm. But the scene is just brilliant because it tells a story. It's like, you know, a lot of times you see these movies and they have these like long takes for the sake of just having a long take, but there's really yeah. no point in having a long take. It's just like, look at me, look at my fancy camera work. And often those long takes are distracting and takes the viewer out of the movie because you're so impressed by the long take. And, you know, it's 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 cool but does it serve a purpose in this movie? It serves a purpose. Um, we sort of like danced around this earlier on in the podcast. They're so similar yet so different. And one's undercover and one's, you know, an actual cop. Right. And this is the, the, the sequence in which these two men realize that they need to work as a team in order to survive. Cause these dudes are blowing up an entire hospital with, I don't know, like hundreds of, hostages and innocents including a you know 22 babies like newborn babies right and so they realize that they need to work as a unit as a single unit as a team in order to survive and i i think that's what makes the scene great because it serves a purpose and i mean look at that sequence like it's one of the again i have to say this in terms of him directing action it's one of the greatest scenes ever when it comes to action movies like it's just brilliant like the choreography the pacing, um, the soundtrack. And then there's one specific moment towards the end of this two and a half, two, two minute and 45 minute long like tracking shot that doesn't cut, right? So they're shooting everyone in, in the hallway, right? Because they need to survive, right? It's like in self-defense. And then Tony Lung's character, Alan, accidentally, what is it accidentally? He shoots someone who he thinks is a henchman, a bad guy, but he's wearing a badge, an ID, and he thinks that's actually an undercover cop. And so it goes into slow motion. And then Tequila has to drag him into an elevator because he's in shock because he thinks he just shot one of his own men and he's not sure. And Tequila is in denial because he doesn't want to believe it because he can't believe it. And Alan can't believe it because if they believe it, they're going to stop and they're going to get shot dead in their tracks, right? They need to keep moving forward. So they go into this elevator the doors close and they have like this conversation and tequila is trying to convince them that it wasn't one of their own men. It was actually a henchman, a bad guy. And Alan doesn't believe it. And so we have like this, like one minute, maybe two minute sequence of them talking and the elevator doors open and they walk out 
and it looks like they're on a different floor, but they're not. It's the same floor. Uh-huh. So the entire crew had fucking like less than two minutes to clean up, get up, you know, so it wouldn't look like it's the same floor. So they can redo or not redo, but continue this 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 crazy action sequence. That's an amazing scene. Can I just say, if listener, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you accidentally murder an undercover cop, this movie has the right idea. Just keep going. You know, <laughs> it'll be fine. But but that, that <laughs> sequence has very little dialogue, clearly, because it's an action sequence. It's a big, huge shootout. But they do stop for a moment. And they actually, you know what I mean? Like, there is a little bit of dialogue. And there is consequences. And there is stakes. And it's just, it's such, it's such, ugh, it's such a great scene. It's my favorite scene in the film, hands down. Simon, what about you? That's a great choice. Uh, I personally have a soft spot for some reason for the boat shootout. Uh, just there's so, uh, he seems to have so much fun with uh, just using every aspect of, of that set. You know, the way that, uh, that Tony Lung like pops out of an extra special window on the side and uh, the way, the way that uh, when Chow Yun Fat has to leave the scene, he just jumps into the ocean. Um, <laughs> I love that, and the, I also love the staging of him hiding under the boards, watching everything go down. Uh, I don't know, just to be a, a lovely, simple, elegant, uh, but super fun action sequence, and it doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah, love that. I mean, it's just a, it's you know, it's not rocket science. It's just a great action scene. Yeah, it doesn't have a whole lot. You're right about it not overstaying its welcome. It's one of the shortest action scenes in the movie, probably. It might be the shortest. Um, um oh I but can't. also a special shout out though to another to the scene that i laughed the most at which is uh when after a whole movie of just putting up with people's bullshit um the the woman uh gets slapped by a villain and there's like a moment of just of just her looking and then she shoots him in the in the stomach like eight times and i don't know why but i just thought that was so fucking just the, her like blase attitude and her handling of the gun is just so offhand. It's so good. Uh, my special mention really quick is the baby sequence when he covers the baby's eyes and he's like mm. X-rated. And then of course, later on, the baby pees on him while he's like lit on fire, which puts out the fire. Pretty good. I think it's I was talking with Simon about this before the podcast. How I think it's interesting that the, the posters of him holding a baby like this cop with a shotgun holding a baby and looks covered in very, blood. Yeah, it looks all very comical, though. It looks like it would be, you know, a Burt Reynolds vehicle in the 90s or something. Uh, you could have easily done that. Just put a pair of, you know, like, oh, it's cop dad. Uh, my my favorite little piece of baby related dialogue other than when uh other than when chow yun fat tells a newborn baby to shut up in a in a in a hospital full of you know bullets and explosions uh is uh when they when she has the bright idea to put start putting cotton in their ears and he's like do we have to do this and she's like yes (laughs) do you not understand how babies work (laughs) yeah uh all right i guess my favorite scene would be the first one um, I don't think the action actually gets better than that first scene, but uh, it's got a lot of cool tension and build up. I love the reflections in, um, you know, like the mm. all the different little metallic things, all the different ornamentation that's around that that set. Uh, and I love the way it finishes. You already described it with the flower and him kind of like sliding in, putting gun to that guy's head and blowing him away and the blood splatters all over his face. Visually just great. Uh, I didn't really know what the hell was going on for a lot of it, <laughs> but some of it I did. And that's where, uh, you know, that's why I could say, like, to me, it was the best action scene in the movie. Um, I, I also like how it has the flavor of like a police procedural or something, 
where it, you know, it's like, oh, it's like a stakeout. There's tension. There's like, there's a little bit of almost espionage going on. And it's like, it's really the only sequence in the movie that feels like that. Yeah. And that's why I like it. It's because it's, it's building. It's the only, for me, it's the only action scene that has any consequences that has mm. any, uh, I don't know anything any substance whatsoever because the rest of it is all just standard boilerplate stuff to me like plotting wise um where it's like okay we need an action scene here so we're gonna write in an action scene here but this one actually seems like okay there it, it this one to me does tell a story it looks like they are in a stakeout there i love how he's kind of bored with the conversation that the cop across from him is having with them at the beginning <laughs> yeah and he's just watching the you know the reflections and he's he's just looking around the room but yeah, that that's this is the only movie to me has like a buildup of tension and a release. Um, the rest of them just sort of come at like I say boilerplate moments. That's a screenwriting thing. Like they just we need an action scene here. We've got an action scene here, and some of them for me run on so long that there just isn't any more tension. I have nothing left. To, I'm not invested in in his mm-hmm. action scenes at all because they go on forever. Uh, whereas the boat scene is kind of a refreshing one, like you say, because it's it's very short, it's, it's quick, it gets to the point, gets it over with, and I kind of like that scene too, um, because it is fun and it get and it's over with. The, the, the tea room scene goes on a little too long, but it does change locations and that helps quite a bit. And then visually, he 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 tops it off with that whole flour caked chow yun fat um, coming in, which. <laughs> It, it does a it does a nice job of of mixing things up from sort of the, the yellows I mean, and browns of the earlier when he's covered in flour and like uh what looks like um berry compote uh my man really is looking like a snack that's all yeah. i can tell you yeah the blood in this movie is is looks delicious <laughs> i um i really like how he smashes the birdcage and there's like guns hidden inside a birdcage i yes love his trademark of using birds in all the scenes and what's great too about his action scenes especially specifically that one is he likes to have everything move in frame and if you go back and watch it you'll see like there's paper and confetti flying mm. in the background there's birds flying there's like cages dropping from the from the ceiling there's you know, men like diving left and right, bullets flying. Like there's always something moving within the frame. And that's the way he directs his action is there is always something moving and there is a flow and pace to it. And it's just, it's just great. Um, But I will say that towards the end of the film, when we talk about tension, I mean, in terms of raising the stakes, like he's got an entire hospital of like, uh, you know, hundreds of hostages, including the babies and are trying to like save these newborn babies by uh you know br- uh, climbing out of a window and i think it's like the third floor if i'm not mistaken it's pretty high yeah. up and they need to save these babies one by one while people are shooting at them i mean that's raising the stakes and i mean only in hong kong i don't think you can do that in the united states or in canada like anywhere in, nor- in north america where you have a movie where you have like 22 babies that are, they're, they are trying to save from an exploding building while a bunch of henchmen are shooting at them like that's insane but it, it is ridiculous the, it's the, completely the, insane. the scene with the most tension is actually again in the hospital sequence when they discover the underground the underground lair that's used to hide all of the weapons and they basically go into this tunnel the door locks behind them and so they're locked they're, they're stuck in this tunnel they need to get out and so he comes up with this weird crazy idea kind of like a macgyver like this 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 mm. actual sequence reminds me of like macgyver where he takes a bullet 
And I'm not sure what he does. Like, he puts the bullet... He takes the gunpowder out, out of he, the bullets. He wants the gunpowder to cause an explosion as opposed to fire the actual bullet. So he takes the bullet out of the casing, and he le- and he basically leaves the gunpowder in there. And then he's going to shoot. So there's a there's the pin on the back of the, the bullet. That's what the hammer would strike in the gun, and that's what actually causes the ignition and the gunpowder to light and then the bullet to explode out. So he's going to shoot... That he sticks the casing in there with all the gunpowder in it, so it's still going to be explosive, but it won't have a bullet. And then he's going to shoot that pin, the firing. Uh, that's not called the firing pin. I don't know what that's called, but yeah, he's going to shoot that thing and, and then cause the explosion. Like it's an amazing shot, of course. I I did like that scene. I'll give you that because I like how he backs off for a second. Exactly. He's not, yeah. <laughs> he's not yes. Sure. Yeah. He takes a second. He, he's not sure. He, he, he yeah. holds the shot on Chow Young Fat's character, Tequila. So he holds a shot on Tequila and it looks like he's going to fire. And then he's too afraid to fire. And you see, he's shaking. Like he's actually afraid because he thinks that he, he can blow himself up, but he has no choice. And then it doesn't work. And so because it doesn't work, Alan has to basically electrify himself in order to free them. But then when they finally get the door open, this is what I'm saying about how if it resembles like a video game, the door finally opens. So you solve that puzzle and then you have <laughs> the big baddie, like the big final boss, Mad Dog, who you got to fight. And this is the first and only sequence in a movie where we get hand to hand combat. And I love the way Mad Dog comes from the ceiling, just jumps on top of them. It takes two of them to fight him off, and yet that's not good enough because they actually don't stop him. And I also like how Mad Dog has like specific rules and a code, right? Because his boss just goes and shoots everyone. So at one point, they have this standoff, and it's it's a standoff between Mad Dog and Alan and Tequila. And in between them are a bunch of physically handicapped people who can't walk very fast. And so he wants to let the people pass because he doesn't want any innocents to get injured. But before they can actually escape, his boss walks in and starts shooting everybody. Um, can I just mention uh, I, Mad Dog's a great henchman, but uh, one of my one of my actually maybe we should skip to the things will change because this is the thing I would change. Can we can we do sure, that? Can we segue we'll to change. that? Yeah, yeah. Mad Dog goes out like a fucking punk. It is not fair. He should have gotten a better exit than he got. So Mad Dog, I can't help but think of this. Is I don't know why, but I got flashbacks to this. They're like their relationship, and even some parts of the movie, like with Chow Yun Fat. I I thought of Chow Yun Fat kind of as a Popeye Doyle type character. I thought of Mad Dog as the henchman of the the French drug dealer from the French Connection. Mm-hmm. I don't know I why, and that. they they both kind of go out like punks, <laughs> like they don't necessarily. They're the, the the real threats in the movie. Now, granted, like. The dude in the French Connection gets his little sniper moments, and, and you know, there's the nice car chase and everything like that. But really, the way that he goes out is kind of like a punk. Yeah. <laughs> like, he turns around, and he runs, and he gets shot in the back and dies. And that that's kind of it. And that, that's how menacing he really was. But throughout the whole movie, he's a big threat. Because he also performs like an assassination at the beginning of that movie. And I... I, I just had a distinct vibe between... Yeah. The relationship between those two. I don't know where Alan fits into all of this, but my, my actual real <laughs> my actual real answer though is that the the show the the climactic showdown is is very deflating after all the crazy action we just had. Uh, it's I just didn't think that it felt very like it's suddenly like a second rate Die Hard knockoff, which is funny because I would way sooner rewatch this than Die Hard. 
Uh, but just that showdown between Anthony Wong, who I actually do think is quite good, um, and Chow Yun Fat, I don't know. I feel like they could have juiced that a bit more somehow. Anyway, what would uh, uh, someone else go? Yeah, Rick, one thing. If there were one thing that you could change. I'm not sure I would change anything. Only because like, if I were to change something, it would be too drastic of a change. It would be a different movie. And that's basically just telling a better story because there, there really wasn't the script. Like They were making it up as they were filming. And that's the issue a lot of people have with the film. But I, I look at the movie as just a combination of all these different cliches and camera shots and and action scenes and just things that you would normally see in early 90s action movies just all put into this one movie we also all watched this by ourselves which i think was a, a critical error uh, <laughs> this is a movie meant to be watched with as many people that's as possible. not true i mean i first watched this on the big screen at fantasia and i've watched this movie plenty of times like this like when this movie came out it was during it was at a time in my life like if you if we were to travel back in time and talk to Ricky D back in like the early 90s or mid 90s it's when my favorite movies were like Desperado and Hard Boiled and The Killer it was like these action movies that were so over the top and just really really fun to watch with your friends late at night and so i watched this movie tons of times with my friends like now yes because of the pandemic um you know i watched the movie by myself at home but i don't really think that's the reason Simon because like I own multiple copies of this movie and I very rarely revisit the movie because it is long and it's, 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 um, I, it's not a chore to watch, but it, and it's not necessarily exhausting, but it, it does demand your attention in, 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 in a different way. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, you know how some movies, they move really slow. So you really have to be like wide awake and in the mood for it. Right. Like very little dialogue, like, um, a Bellatar film, for example, this movie is kind of like the complete opposite, but it still demands your attention. Like you still have to be fully awake and ready mentally for. The yeah. Show. Well, that's, that's why, like I said, when I, when I went to see it in a, in a hot theater on a tired night, uh, I could not get through it because it is, it's, it's a lot. It's sensory yeah. overload. Yeah. It's just a sort of like, he'll have his characters pop up too. So I, I, it seems to me that John will probably shot a lot of footage and he has sort of had an idea of how these, he wanted these action scenes to go, but it, he had a lot of ideas. So he's like, I want somebody to slide across the bar, you know, on their back, shooting two guns as they slide away from yeah. the guy that they're shooting. Stuff like that. Okay, like, okay, we need to figure out a way for him to get to this point. And it's a lot of ideas like that. And then when they get into the editing room, they're like, well, I still really like that shot. So, but we don't really have a logical way from the previous shot to get to this, but let's just cut to that anyway, because it's a cool shot and people are really going to like it. And that to me is what happens with a lot of his big action scenes. You're right that the smaller ones that doesn't happen with, and the smaller ones he's, he's much better at when he's, when it's a controlled environment, but when he's got a lot of chaos going on, he just oh. throws in stuff. Yeah, but the chaos is beautiful. I still think the... that's a script problem because if you if your scene is asking for two hundred extras in a warehouse shooting each other, then how what else are you going to do, right? But like if you look at Robert Rodriguez, who I really, uh, you know, I really like Robert Rodriguez. And I was a big huge fan of his movies. Had came out roughly around the same time like El Mariachi was released in nineteen ninety two, the exact same year as Hard Boiled, right? And there's no way that Robert Rodriguez could have been influenced or inspired by hard-boiled because he released El Mariachi the very same year. But if you look at those two movies, which are similar in the sense that it's basically like 90 minutes of just like a bunch of people shooting each other. It's like, it's like a gun shootout sequence after gun shootout sequence after gun shootout sequence. 
But Robert Rodriguez, he cuts every two, three seconds in editing, mainly because he likes editing. So he wanted to go into the editing room and cut all these different like shots because he had so much footage. Whereas John Woo lets the camera just roll and there's no edits and there's no cuts. And like I, I pinpointed the three minute tracking shot, but there's plenty of shots that last like 30 seconds, 45 seconds, 60 seconds. And that to me is a, a, you know, an indication that he can direct action. But on a script level, again, if your scene is calling for 100 extras to shoot each other, what is he going to do? I uh, I just want to mention that in terms of uh, keeping track of the scenes, like I kind of agree with Patrick in the sense that like the precise geography of every sequence uh, is not totally clear to me. But I do think what John Woo is really good at, and this is going to sound kind of basic, but it, feel, it felt very real to me as I was watching it. Uh, people shoot guns and then you see where the bullets go. And it makes sense, you know, that the, from one shot to the next, the trajectory of the bullets uh, and, and what's happening feels more or less in concert with what just happened. Uh, at least it felt that way to me. You're uh, right. They never uh, run out of bullets. You, you always see who they're shooting. Yeah, or it's, who they're the, shooting so much at. of the actions of the action sequence is like square on someone shooting at someone, usually while flying through the air or rolling <laughs> on a gurney, <laughs> and um, uh, and uh, and then the next thing you see is someone being shot or or some wild element being shot. Uh, my other favorite thing about the action sequences, and I'm sure you both noticed this, there are uh, there are at least two or three instances of someone just jumping through a plate of glass just because they can <laughs> and not because it has any strategic uh value whatsoever uh mad dog especially is a is a a, a prime example of this it actually has no strategic value None. you're likely to get hurt in real life doing it, and then you'll get shot but boy it sure looks like a lot of fun but it looks really cool and that's john woo movies to me they look cool i think part of it is like if you guys enjoy the the, the rhythm of this i i think it is it's the jazz thing. This is the jazz. Maybe, maybe this is the jazz of action stuff. Maybe that's what John. Oh, Blue definitely. Is. And, it, and to it me, definitely it's, is. It's, it's that rhythm that rubs me the wrong way. I don't like the rhythm of his action scenes the same way I don't like the rhythm of of jazz. But I'm I'm glad we brought up jazz because it also feels like it at at, at times the movie feels sort of schizophrenic, like. It's moving from you know like the like the, the the police procedural vibes at the beginning to then we have this quasi love interest who's like barely in the movie uh, and like really not a strong focus. Uh, then we have this like diehardy villain, and then we have like sort of the more over the top stylized Hong Kong action, and we also have this video game henchman. Um, and it's all like it's it it none of it really feels like until hard boiled. All those things had really been in one film, <laughs> and uh, this kind of synthesizes it. As jazz does. I, I watched this movie and I appreciate it for the beauty of like the camera work and the just the sheer and sheer aesthetic. The aesthetic, the the and, and just the idea, like again, like ideas like mixing the jazz music with this epic action film, blowing up an entire hospital, which it's not really a hospital, but it's pretty impressive that they built this in a huge set. It took them like 40 days to to just film the hospital sequence. It took them over I think over 120 days just to film the entire film. And it was a long shoot. It's a yeah. long shoot, and that's because John Woo didn't want a second unit. He wanted to do everything himself. He wanted it to be his movie. He realized it, it was the first and last time he would have like full creative control and such a huge budget to be able to do these crazy things. And so he took advantage of it. And um, I don't know, and that's why like when you ask me what to change, I don't know what I can actually change that would make 
a big enough difference without changing something big. I would have Chow Yun-Fat smoking a cigarette as he was sliding down the railing in that opening scene as opposed to having the toothpick in his mouth or matchstick. I can't remember which one it is. I thought it was a toothpick, not a matchstick. The toothpick is because of uh, what's-his-face from... um... I think he got it from Steve McQueen's getaway, right? Mm. I, I would have him smoking a cigarette. That would have been the only way that that would have been cooler. That takes away from uh, from Mad Dog, who lights up his cigarettes when the car blows up. That's true. Well, that could have given, given them some parallel. Then you could have really had, instead of having the parallel be between Alan and, and Tequila, you could have had it been between Tequila and Mad Dog. All right, we got to move on, though. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was probably the longest what would you change segment we've ever had. Uh MVP time guys. MVP. Rick, we're going to start with you. Who's your MVP of this movie? Well, I mean, it's got to be John Woo because I mean, if people like this movie and love the movie and think it's the greatest action movie ever because of the action sequence action sequences, then you got to give credit to John Woo, but my personal favorite standout is Tony Leung. But he's also like one of my favorite actors of all time. I just love his performance. I just love everything about him in this movie, even if his character makes no sense. So I'm kind of cheating here. Those are my two answers. Tony Simon. Lung. I was gonna say Simon. I, <laughs> I think no. If you no, if you, without without Tony Lung, the movie has no soul. Exactly. Um, it would just be an action film. Yeah, and like I'm sorry, but maybe I'm a sucker. But near the end, when we do get that shot of him, like, looking across the flames at Chow Yun-Fat, I was, like, briefly, for, like, a second, I was actually moved. I was like, damn. Um, my MVP is Chow Yun-Fat. Cool. Coolness goes a long way for me in a movie like this. Like, I, in a movie that I have to enjoy purely on some aesthetic level, because I, there is no emotional resonance for me in this whatsoever. Like, I, Alan, to me, is a character. I, I know you guys like him, but for me as a character, he doesn't register at all. Like, that's a, that's that's a, totally DOA, fair. a DOA character. <laughs> like, I, I, I probably... Now, I haven't seen a lot of Tony Lung movies, so I can't comment on him as an actor. Um, I don't remember... You haven't seen In the Mood for Love? I don't. I don't think so. Ooh. So for me, like All this right. is the, this is the movie that I'm gonna judge his career on. I, I'll try not to do that. Actually, not that he's bad <laughs> or anything. It's just completely forgettable to me that like this character. And, well, this involved. movie is definitely not uh, Tony Lung's greatest acting showcase. Like it's, I don't it's think, fine. Like, uh, but you know, he, he, he wasn't given much to do. Like Rick said, he wasn't written much of a character. Like he does what he can with the with the character, and they, there are a couple of nice moments that that he and Chayun Fat share. So for me, Chayun Fat is the he's the MVP because for me, he is he's what this movie is trying to do, which is just basically be cool, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> I that's pretty much all it has for me, and so he he wins. Like John Woo to me. I think I've, I've already said enough on him. So, yeah, it's Chow Yun-Fat. Hands down. Um, so, we've got the Howard Hawks test thing here. <laughs> <laughs> I think we... I don't even need to, to, to get into this one, but what do you guys think? Do you think that there are three great scenes and no bad ones? I, I would honestly say I don't think there are any bad scenes in this movie. I just wouldn't say that there are any great ones. But do you think that there are three great scenes and no bad ones as it past the Howard Hawks test. Yes, I think so. I mean, but also I don't really think of it as a movie of scenes. I think of it as like one long phrase. Uh, I know that with, with, with like with some punctuation marks here and there. 
I mean, it definitely delineates scenes. It, there's no like it has transitions and it and it like the, there's the the stuff in the police station, right? Like sure. the, the, that that is a scene that is a self-contained, you know, and and it might be just a little if you if you consider it to be a you know a musical thing, it might just be a little riff off to the side here. But um, well, Rick, what do you think? Do you hands down? Um... I think it has like five great scenes. I think it has five iconic scenes. I think it's such an incredibly influential movie that it has to pass the Howard Hawks test. The opening sequence in the tea house, the final sequence in the hospital, which might be, you know, unfair to call that one scene because it's just, you know, 15 minutes long. But in that scene, you have the tracking shot, which I mentioned earlier. You have the uh, fight between uh, Tequila, Alan, and Mad Dog. You, yeah, have you, have the morgue, you have you have scenes because you have the morgue. You have like the 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 room where that yeah. what's his where that informant gets killed. I understand intellectually that there are scenes. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's just yeah. not how I process. It's not how my brain. No, but I'm just talking. Uh, but when we when we ask this question, Simon, I, I look at iconic scenes. Okay, every yeah. single one of those scenes. There's been countless filmmakers who have ripped off those scenes. So to me, those are great scenes because they stand the test of time and they're so influential. So if this movie has no bad scenes and it's got what I think are great scenes because everyone's trying to redo those scenes, then I think it passes the Howard Hawks test for sure. Chris Nolan doesn't blow up no hospital without hard-boiled happening. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, it is. I mean, this is. there's no question this is an influential movie. Like, no question about it. Um, so I can see how you would certainly... You can you could definitely make a case. I wouldn't go so far as to call it the greatest action movie ever made. A lot of people call it the greatest action movie ever made. I understand why they call it the greatest action movie ever made. I don't think it is. I think it's a great action movie with great action scenes. But to call it the greatest action movie ever made is to overlook the movie's many flaws, including the screenplay, the characters, the fact that none of it makes sense, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I think Speed is a better movie than hard-boiled it might not have a 50-minute sequence in which they blow up an entire hospital and try to save 22 babies in pro in the process but i do i do think speed is a better movie from start to finish which moves at a brisk pace although you can't you can't complain that they should edit out the last 50 minutes but that's an amazing movie can they we could have thrown babies out of the pot. i was gonna say can we re is it too late to remake speed but throw some babies on there <laughs> <laughs> tossing babies from car to car can, oh, can i just boy. say in, in terms of lasting influence the other the, the 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 thing that i could not stop thinking about while watching hard-boiled i think i said to myself uh at least 12 times uh from hot fuzz have you ever have you ever jumped through the air whilst firing two guns because <laughs> <laughs> that's like half the movie <laughs> so what's what's I, funny to me about that is clearly Hot Fuzz also loved Michael Bay movies because they talked about Bad Boys so much. But you're right. Like I think I think John Woo and Michael Bay have a lot in common, and that might rub people the wrong way. But I really think that whether one inspired the other, I'm not sure. Like obviously Michael Bay again came later, so more likely he was inspired by John Woo. But they. There is something to the way that those guys both go about their business. Now, there, there are differences too, but it, it, it's a lot of just flash, I would say, and, and very little substance. I do like Michael Bay to some extent. And I, I do understand why they put a movie like The Rock and was it Armageddon as part of yeah, the Criterion Collection? Was. But Hard Boiled was 
I think it's Spine number nine. So it's one of the first 10 films that Criterion chose. Actually, number eight is The Killer. So it's two John Woo yeah. It is two John Woo movies in the top 10, the first 10 releases for Criterion. Which is kind of sick, actually. Criterion did Armageddon. They sure did. Well, every once in a while, that the, they the, Criterion did cop to the fact that like every once in a while they did want to choose something like a little bit more mainstream to help fund the rest of the collection. And Armageddon was one of their biggest gimmies. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I like The Rock, kind of like how I like Face Off. And then that's pretty much it for me and Michael Bay. Um, all right, so uh, going forward, do you think that in a world post-Hardboiled and post all the John Woo American movies and post-Michael Bay, where action totally changed, by the way, because Hardboiled did bring about a new kind of action movie. I cannot deny that, that back in the day, back in 1992, action did not look like this. Action was not nearly as stylized as this, uh, for the most part. It was it was done, like, you think of all the big action movies of the 80s, and there are some great ones, but they... They're not nearly as stylized as this. So action change going forward. But is there, does that, would an audience today that has grown up on these kinds of stylistic action movies, like the John Wicks, um, or even to a lesser extent, your nobodies, are they going to get a kick out of Hard Boiled? Can they watch this movie going forward? Does the movie have an audience? Hold on a second. I, I think I think the action movies were stylish before Hard Boiled because Hard Boiled stole all of the ideas from American filmmakers like Sam Peckinpah, Sam Raimi, uh, George Miller, like Mad Max, even though it was filmed in Australia. And I think the only difference really maybe is the type of lighting and oh, the jazz really? music. That they they the hard boiled amps the you can watch uh, George Miller or, or even Sam Raimi in the eighties movie like there's no way they're not trying to do anything like okay Sam Raimi Darkman well wait Darkman was Darkman was like nineteen ninety I, I think I think um, the only difference really is that John Woo is bringing a new level of operatic uh, aesthetic excess um yes that's really what's new they were not nearly as excessive as hard-boiled was like they're like when you look at gunfights from sam peckinpah you cannot compare that to hard-boiled that's like sam peckinpah is that's like saying that stagecoach is the same as it's the the next level but that's where he got his inspiration from he just sure sure and and everybody's inspired by by other people but but action movies i would argue changed and we saw that in the 90s after hard boil like and michael bay came in with the rock everybody wanted to to do bad boys the rock uh jumping through the air, firing two guns at the same time. All of a sudden, action movies want to do that, and now you have action movies like John Wick, which are the the logical step from that. Like, action has now even increased where the, the martial arts have become a, a bigger part of it. I would have to look at a timeline of my favorite action movies ever and look at what came out in the 80s. But when I think of like a movie like Die Hard, to me, that was like such an inspiration and so influential, even for John Woo in a movie like 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 hard boiled because that came out four or five years prior and that was like this tough guy really cool hero who defied all the odds and was trapped in uh, an apartment or uh, in, a, in a not an apartment complex but a building that pretty much is ex- exploding around them and you know what i mean he's just like he defies all the odds and it's, it's like we're at the point now where and this is why like i don't like the fast and furious franchise because it's and it's it's weird because I criticize that franchise for being so over the top and so unrealistic. 
And I find that like my problem with those movies is I, I feel like there's no suspense because it's like they can like drive a, a car off a cliff and land on a plane and everything's cool. They're going to survive. And well, so I okay. Like I'll the, the, I guess I, to get very specific about what I think has changed in the action, it's the choreography. Everything is so plainly choreographed mm. like that ballet movement. And, and that I think is what happened after hard boiled Michael Bay, all that kind of stuff in the matrix too where action scenes lost a lot of attention because they no longer felt real realistic. They were fun to watch because the choreography is fun to watch. Just like watching a Jackie Chan movie is, is fun. His fight scenes are fun. You never feel like Jackie Chan's ever in, in any danger. They're just, they've got a fluidity that is fun to watch. Yeah. yeah, that's what I said earlier. It feels like a dance because in Die Hard, Bruce Willis runs across the hallway like anyone would run across a hallway while bullets yes. are flying towards them. There's nothing fancy about it. In He's Hard related. Boiled, yeah. they walk and their their posture and the slow motion and where they step and where they move and how they move it's like a ballet and so you're yeah, totally been, right and that's been taken to the extreme with movies like john wick which are so choreographed like there's not a single yeah. moment in those movies that feels like it's real so can can audiences go and now people are used to that kind of action right like that's become even in your marvel superhero movies there's a lot of that in there, even though, yeah, it's a lot of just punching guys back and forth and flying into buildings. There but still I, is a choreographed element to the, the way they I, I just I just don't want to give all the credit to John Woo or Hard yeah. Boiled because there was a ton of movies that were that were released stateside at around that time from Hong Kong and not just gangster films or crime films, but even martial arts films like the Jet Li films. Like, you know, when you look at John Wick. John Wick takes just as much inspiration from Hard Boiled as it does Fist of Legend, for example. You also had directors like Ringo Lam and Johnny Toe. And so I'm not going to put give all the credit to Hard Boiled. I think the thing about Hard Boiled is it was that one film that just got around and landed in more hands of teenagers in North America at that time than, say, like Fist of Legend or City on Fire they they made yeah exactly so that's what i mean I, I i know that like lots of other guys john woo's not like he wasn't inventing all of this necessarily he's part of a movement but but he hardboiled is the one that broke through to and made this sort of popular and changed hollywood movies i i, I would not argue that fist of legend like changed hollywood movies hardboiled did because it found an audience yeah in, in the um, west and i think that to answer the original question this movie will always have an audience uh because i think there's just so there there aren't many action movies that can match this one for pure uh, anarchic joy of motion and style and excess and uh you know not worrying too much about like y you know what we haven't talked about in in the last ninety minutes we haven't talked about subtext we haven't talked about uh, politics we haven't talked about uh, anything to do with just how this thing looks and feels while it's moving around uh, which either works for you or doesn't. And uh, I think it will continue to work for people as it, as it does for me. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, when you watch a horror film, like maybe even a Sam Raimi movie, and it doesn't exactly necessarily have a great plot or script, or maybe even like a cat, the cast isn't very talented and the acting is not that great, but it's just got these amazing scenes of great gore and blood and kill sequences. But that's what horror movie fans want to see. And so they will just revisit that movie over and over and over again, even if it's not as good as say a movie like Silence of the Lambs, which wins like seven Oscars type things. It's so good. Like there's, there's different, like to me, Hard Boiled is the movie I will 
I go to like if it's okay if if people were to come over and I want to introduce anyone to Hong Kong action films, then guaranteed I would whip out Hard Boiled or The Killer. Guaranteed, like it's the go-to film. Now, will you like it? I don't know, but it's like the Godfather of gun fu movies. So it's 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 obvious that that's what you're gonna whip out. If you know when it comes to horror films, like what do you what do you what do you when it comes to zombie films, you're gonna look at like Night of the Living Dead, like the original one, right? Or Dawn of the Dead, like those are the two you go to, like an introduction to the zombie genre. So I think it will always have an audience just because it's one of it is it is technically considered like the first of its kind. Yeah, it was the one that broke through, so it's the one that people call to mind. Um, plus, it ended up having you know, Chai and Fat went on to become a, an an international star, probably more so than anybody else in the cast. Um, whether you like his performance better or not, <laughs> uh, you know, he, he obviously rose to some prominence. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that it, you can take the John Wick audience and show them this and they'll still be impressed. I think there will always be people who love movies, who really, really, really get into movies, who will, of course, you know, there'll be niche audiences for this. There'll be cult audiences for it, I guess. Um the problem now is that everyone can pretty much do what John Woo does in this movie without having the tools that John Woo had. Like, like nowadays, you can yeah. pretty much fake any of the camera shots in post-production. You can have a, a crane shot instead of having a, a cameraman who has to redo a shot over and over and over to get it right because it's a three-minute tracking shot. By the way, they did the three-minute tracking shot three times. I would love to see the other two takes. Well, yeah, and, and, and back then, if you wanted to have a guy jump a motorcycle through a bonfire with doves flying, a flock of doves flying in the background, you had to do it in camera. And nowadays, of course, you know, you can have your motorcycle chases and do anything. Um, so and, least, and, it, and it all kind of looks a little bit like shit now. I mean, a, a little bit, right? You can, <laughs> your, your eyes are now always searching for the fakery. Yeah. Which and that, is... I think that's also another reason movies like this are always going to have an audience because there's always a thrill in watching something and knowing those people are really on fire. Uh, that that helicopter is really there. That motorcycle is really there. You can spot the dummies. You can spot whatever. Like you can the you can detect actual filmmaking. Yeah, and you can't believe your eyes anymore these days. So it's like at least when you're watching an old movie, you know that you can trust what you're seeing. Like I, I, I when the Mission Impossible stunt of Tom Cruise hanging off the side of the plane when that shot was you know when the trailer came out and that shot was in the trailer, I wasn't, I didn't think for a second that he actually did that. I just assumed it was done CG. And you, because you can't, you could have done that CG, frankly. Yeah, that's why they released, <laughs> that's why they released all that behind the scenes B-roll. I, I, I know. And it is impressive, but the problem like with movies these days is when you watch them, you don't know what's real and you don't know what's yeah. not. And so you just start assuming that everything's not real and there's no reason to trust anything. Whereas when you do watch a movie like hard boiled, it's almost like you could breathe a sigh of relief knowing that I know that everything that happened on this, this on, on the frame happened. This happened in real life. Somebody did this, and it may not go down. They might be tricking me in some way, but what the camera's looking at is real every time. Yeah. And that's, and that's cool. all. That's 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 timeless. So we really should wrap this up. <laughs> uh, we're gonna just make it nice and quick. Hard boiled. If you're into action, check it out. Don't listen to me. I'm a <laughs> I'm a grumpy guy when it comes to some of this stuff. I'm very Rule particular. number one of this podcast is never listen to Patrick. <laughs> I have discovered that I my tastes are kind of they're they're outliers, and not in a and not in a cool way either. I'm like super mainstream, but then I hate other stuff. I don't I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> Simon, can we find you anywhere online? No, no, you cannot. All right. 
Well, you can find me online here at the Assorted Cinema Podcast, but uh, you know, as soon as a cool movie comes out to review, I'll, I'll be doing that as soon as one catches my eye. But uh, be sure to you know like us, leave us a review on iTunes, stuff like that. Send us a tweet or something. Uh, do those things that social social media things that that people do. We do like to hear from people, like to get responses. Um, so that's always fun, especially if you hate that I hate jazz and or hard boiled. Um, I would be glad to discuss that further with anybody. Uh, Rick, where can people find you and the podcast? SortedCinema.com. The Twitter handle is SortedCinema, and you can find the podcast just about everywhere from iTunes, Amazon, to Podbean, to YouTube. All the links are over at SortedCinema.com. All right, that'll do it for this week. We will see you next week with whatever I choose in revenge for this movie. (laughs) (laughs) See you then. Bye. You've already destroyed him. No need to kill him. You think he'd let me leave if he was here with a gun? Not a chance. In this world, the man who holds the gun wins. The real fact is, he's in my way, and he's got to die. He doesn't want big bucks, but I sure as hell do. His low prices are killing my market. I'm losing out, so don't blame me, all right? It's what you've got, and not how you made it, all right? You stinky traitor! Fuck you, you goddamn little shit! Honey, drop that gun! Drop it! Please, release the guys. Look, I'm happy to die. But not by the hands of that bunch of rotten goat shit! I want you to shoot me, Alan! Shoot you? Shoot me!